0: You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCC LP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Thanks for checking out this recording on Lone Star Community Radio. This is Dick, the general manager of Lone Star Community Radio. And I wanted to give you a quick reminder of what's going on with us for the month of September. A new show has been added to our lineup. The Good News with Ted Cox is going to be on Tuesdays from 1 to 3 p.m. during our talk block. And also joining the talk block is going to be Mornings with Lone Star. Every weekday from 10 to 11 a.m., Mornings with Lone Star will extend their normal programming from music into talk. That's right. Starting from now on, from 8 to 11 a.m., Mornings with Lone Star. First two hours, music, talk, fun. And then from 10 to 11, more nitty-gritty talk radio for you. Also, extending their time slot is going to be our favorite Saturday morning show, Grit and Grace. They're going to be extending their hours from 8 to 10 a.m. every Saturday morning for you. Also, the last reminder is we still have plenty of talk slots available for those who want to be a talk show host and also volunteer DJs for music. If you're interested in those kind of things, please let the studio know at lscrstudios at gmail.com or call the station at the message line at 936 647 Thanks again for checking out Lone Star Community Radio, and I uh, hope you enjoyed the show.
1: Alrighty, folks. Good morning. You're listening to Montgomery County Lifestyle with Nathan Arizade on Lone Star Community Radio, and I'm fired up today. I got to apologize to my guests, man. I ran in here. They came in behind me, they're sitting over here, they're standing over there, and I'm not talking, to them. I'm on the phone, and I'm on the phone, if I had five phones, I'd have been on five phones. It was crazy. But it's fun, man, it's fun because there are so many volunteers still out there making a difference in people's lives, and, and, and Christy Leggett is the bomb diggity on down to, I mean, I just saw Liz down in, hey Liz, are you listening? I just saw Tim, I just saw Craig Llewellyn of Kevin Brady's office, my God. Kevin, Kevin, you hired a beast. Craig Llewellyn is a beast. He's like six foot six and he starts in the morning with us. Folks, Kevin Brady, Congressman Kevin Brady, excuse me, Chairman of the House Ways and Means, kind of a powerful dude there. He's just a dude. He's just a guy. He's not a powerful man. He's a man. He's just a dude. And he has, he has attached two to three of his staff members every single day going on week number four to our relief efforts. And sometimes we get six or seven of them, and sometimes they were going out demoing houses. It's just insane. We couldn't do any of this without them. It's just awesome. And Matt, I got to see you, and Victoria, I got to see you, and Lurita. Lurita's my girlfriend. She's 73 years old. She's got real dark skin and everything. She's my, you know, not dark skinned girlfriend's what she told everybody. And she's from Humble, and she just was on the radio last Friday. I know you're laughing, but that's what she says. And she was on the radio last Friday, and we were joking about being boyfriend and girlfriend. But it's just awesome. So I'm in a good mood. I'm kind of frazzled. There's some things going on. But life is good, folks. Hang in there. If you've been affected by these storms, if you've been affected by life, whatever it is, cancer, sickness, death, uh, financial, Hurricane Harvey, hang in there. There's hope. There is hope. It will get better. I know that's beautiful words to say and it's hard to feel. It'll get better, man. Just hang in there. So today... Uh, We're going to take a break in a minute, and when I come back, we're going to bring to you an incredible young lady. I've had the honor of knowing. Um, She is running for a position here in Montgomery County as a district judge of the 284th. Uh, We're going to find out about her background. We're going to find out why she feels that you should get to know her, why you feel, why she feels that uh, you should vote for her. But it's going to be just kind of an easy thing. We're not going to dig in deep. There's no gotcha questions. That's next month. No. There's, there's no gotcha questions anytime. So any of you candidates and you incumbents out there and you're wondering why about not coming on the show, hello, call, text, Facebook message, contact Dick. Plenty of time. We don't play the gotchas. We're not, uh, you know, who would that be? Colbert? We're not Colbert. We're not even Hannity, man. We're just about community. We want you to get involved. And any of you elected officials, there's probably one or two of you that don't really like me too much or we're not best friends. I don't care. Come on the show anyway. It's not about whether you like me or I like you. It's about what can you offer to the public? What can you offer to the citizens to get them involved? Because people need to get involved and vote. So, A couple of things real quick I want to remind you of. Coming up on October 7th, championship bull riding out at the Montgomery County Fairgrounds. 24 top-notch ranked world-class bulls. Oh, yeah. World-class cowboys, too. The bulls are average of 1,800 to 2,000 pounds. All school teachers, all first responders, firefighters, EMTs, law enforcement, all active and veteran military get in free. Share that message. Then the following weekend, October 13, 14, 15, Conroe Cajun Catfish <laughs> Festival, 27th to 28th year. I'm going to get in trouble for not remembering that. It is going to be bad to the bone. The biggest, toughest, roughest lineup you've ever seen. Go to Conroe Cajun Catfish Festival Facebook page and check it out. I think my guest is going to be there. She's over there shaking her head. She's like, yeah, buddy. Giddy up. Aaron Watson is the headliner. And then on the 30th, September 30th, you've got the Sounds of Texas Music Series, an icon, a legend. And we're going to ask my guest what she thinks about him when he comes back. We'll let her gather her thoughts. Ricky Skaggs. Ricky Skaggs, guys. Come on, really? Ricky Skaggs. He's a legend. We've got about 200 tickets left. They are starting to go a little bit faster now, so, so giddy up. And a free community street party. From 6 to 7.30 out front here on Main Street. Streets closed down. We're going to have Caleb and the Homegrown Tomatoes. There's going to be beer, wine, soft drinks, and water. There's going to be a food truck with incredible food. Dick's going to be there. I know it. He hasn't said he is, but I know he is because he's like a party dude that loves community stuff, and he loves downtown stuff. So whether you get tickets to Ricky Skaggs or not, come to the street party. Come be community. I'm going to see if we can, you know, Tag our guest here today, uh, who's running for office, to be there. Not just to go politicking, but to, to be there so the citizens can see her, she can see them, and, and and just have fun. So, a challenge to all you elected officials, giddy up and get your hineys out there and have some fun. And, and make sure that, that our community feels safe and comforted. How's that sound? Does that sound good? We got somebody hiding over there off camera. Does that sound good? She said yes. All right, guys. We're going to take our break right now. And when we come back, I'm going to introduce you to Candidate. You got to find out who she is. You listen to Montgomery County Lifestyle with Nathan Nerzotti on Lone Star Community Radio. We'll be right back.
0: Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas.
1: All right, folks, we are back. One thing I forgot to do was good morning, Montgomery County, which includes the Woodlands, Tamina, Magnolia, Montgomery, Willis, New Waverly, Splendora, couldn't shoot, that's the way she couldn't shoot right there, couldn't shoot, you know. And, of course, Conroe and all points in between. All right, folks, it's time to dive right in. I have a young lady who is very effervescent, very intelligent. Actually, she's probably smarter than me times 10. Um, She's very intellectual, but she doesn't come across that way. And a lot of times I'll have guests on here, no, I, that did sound funny. She made a face. She doesn't come across dumb, but I mean, she's not one of those intellectuals that makes you feel stupid, okay? She's very gracious. A lot of times I'll have guests on, especially when it's political and stuff, and I just talk about them. But I do know this young lady here, and I'm not not—I'm not putting my stamp of approval. I'm not saying you got to vote for her. Montgomery County Lifestyle is not going to endorse anybody, but me personally, I know her, and Nathan likes her and trusts her. So... Let me introduce you to Kristen Bayes, candidate for judge of the 284th. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Nathan. It's great to be here. As you can tell, I have a cold. So this will but not be my normal voice. As <laughs> I go to your street party and go to different events around the county, I will sound
1: different. Are you sure you're not trying to do the sultry voice on purpose? You know, purpose? I'm glad
2: you said that because <laughs> I was thinking, I'm going to imagine that I sound like Lauren McCall or okay. Kathleen Turner. But there you go. really, I sound like a cartoon character. But that's okay. <laughs> That's okay.
1: Oh, folks. Okay. So here's the deal, man. Tell everybody listening a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Tell us about your childhood. Anything that we need to know about and just cool stuff.
2: Well, let's see. Um, I love that you're calling me a young lady, but not so much. So going back to my childhood would be taking us back a long, long, long time ago. (laughs) Star Wars. So let's just do the thumbnail sketch. But I grew up in Lubbock. So that was growing up in Lubbock. That pretty much covers the first 18 years of my life and there's not much more to say. And I can say that out loud on this radio station because you don't reach Lubbock. So no one will be offended
1: but Actually www.irlonestar.com oh, no, no. is worldwide. Oh dear. I'm okay. going to send the, you know what? I'm going to find when this comes out on YouTube, I'm going to send this to a Lubbock radio station you watch.
2: Well, don't edit out the part where I said that Lubbock is a great place to live, especially <laughs> if, you, if you like dust tumbleweeds, and prairie dogs. Those are sort of the selling points of Lubbock. But Lubbock is home. And, you know, I, I get to say that because it's my home. But anybody else tries to talk bad about Lubbock and it's all over. By the way, I love Texas Tech. Didn't go there, though, because when I graduated from high school, I decided to go to the big metropolis. So off I went to Waco.
1: Yeah, yes. the thriving metropolis yes, of Waco. Yes, yeah.
2: indeed. And I went to Baylor University. I debated at Baylor, which made me very, very nerdy, but, you know, I enjoyed that. So, I loved Baylor so much that I decided to continue going to Baylor for law school. I went there for three years, so I had seven years of hard time in Waco. Um, You
1: served seven years of hard time. We could twist that and edit that. Okay, let's do that. You served seven years of hard time. What is this going (laughs) to sound like when it's all over? (laughs) I'm fearful
2: about what I might actually be saying as you... Pick words here and there and put them together in sentences. But yes, yes, yes. So Baylor. Went to Baylor's uh, undergrad, law school. uh, Graduated very high in my class. I did real well in law school because that nerdiness from debate just, it's just part of me. So I I did well in law school. I was the editor-in-chief of the Law Review, which is a point of great Oh, wow.
1: That's a big deal. It is a big deal. I mean, that really is a big deal.
2: It it really is a big deal. And that's why I'm really proud of that. So it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So, but there was... Kind of some other things along the way, too, it was like um, the Baylor President's Award. That's given to the Outstanding Baylor Student of the Year, and that's for the grad schools and the undergrad. Not the med school. I think all those people probably would have taken the cake, but I actually won that in my last year of law school. So that was pretty huge. And then I graduated summa cum laude. So I can speak that much Latin. Okay,
1: so now you got to tell everybody what exactly does that mean? It means really high up in your class. <laughs> I was number in, in I was translation. Number five. Number, I was number
2: five. Out of how class. many? Out of okay, I'll stump the guesser. One hundred and six. Wow. Yeah.
1: So you really are smart. I didn't make that up, did I? No. You really are an intellectual.
2: That's what I am. But you know what? You, come, you come, come across
1: so normal. You just—I mean, really. I mean. And I say that, no, I say that because, come on, guys, y'all are laughing because you're thinking whatever. But the people understand what I'm saying. A lot of really smart, intelligent people come across as I'm smart, I'm intelligent. Who are you? I mean, let's face it. You know people in your life that act that way.
2: I know people in my life that act that way. We don't like them.
1: Yeah, and usually they really aren't fun. that smart, and they usually aren't that intellectual. <laughs> they want you to think they are, and it's all about them. But seriously, Kristen, I've seen you at a lot of events, and you ran in, in a race recently, and I wasn't against you, but I was friends with somebody that 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 you were you know with, and you and I just still continue to have a good friendship. You didn't let. The political games muddy that up. No, no. That, that makes you a lot different than the average politician. Because, unfortunately, you're really not a politician, but you're running—you you want a job. Right. That is an elected position. That is right. And and if it was an elected position, then you wouldn't even be in this political scene.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's that's kind of true. But I, the way I see it, honestly, the, the thing that's really good about running for office is you go and you— you, you spread out all across the county. And by the way, you left out Magnolia when you were listing all did the I, cities. Did yes, I? did, actually.
1: Actually, but, I didn't. Oh. I wanted you to gain their trust okay. and, and their votes. I, I got your you back, to Magnolia. <laughs> Magnolia, you got to vote for her because she <laughs> loves you. But, um,
2: you, you. but you really do. I mean, our county is huge geographically. And it's one side to the other. You're constantly going and doing and going to these different events. You meet different people. It's different experiences. And the thing is, there's a value to that, whether you're elected or not. Now, I I intend to be elected. I would really like to be elected. (laughs) So obviously that's the goal here. But it it would be missing out on something about this experience to not appreciate meeting people along the way. And the reality is that their choice of who to vote for for judge doesn't translate into we like you, we don't like you. They can like me and choose someone else. You shouldn't, of course, but... (laughs) But you can, I mean, because there are two different questions. Do we like Kristen as a person? Do we think she'd make the best judge? They're really not the same question. Yeah. So, it's pretty easy to meet, make friends along the way.
1: Well, we got off track there a minute. Tell, let's go from college. Give us, give us oh. from college and, and beyond for a while.
2: Oh, friend, we, we were past
1: law school. I'd already graduated from law school. Remember I my Latin? I know. <laughs> All right. So, so tell, give, give, us some, give us a resume as far as work. What oh have you goodness. done? Where have you been? Well, I
2: started off in Houston which is that, that place that's on the wrong side of the county line to the south <laughs> So, you, you broadcast in Houston, too, I would imagine. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's okay. They won't be voting. But <laughs> I did start off in Houston at a law firm. I started at a probate law firm, which was a really great experience for me. And they, they kind of just put me in. Um, when you go to Baylor Law School, there's it, Baylor enjoys a reputation that they really train people how to be lawyers. And they are ready to go from the moment they graduate. And that was the way that this law firm took me on. So. I actually had my first trial um, the day after I passed the bar exam. So I got a lot of experience with them, really great people, and that was a great job, but it was in Houston. And and truly, I can appreciate Houston. Let, Let me be clear. I love the Houston Rockets, and I will travel far and wide to go watch them play. James Harden was robbed this year with the MVP award, by the way, for anyone who's listening, but living in houston is a different experience and i'm yeah. just not an urban person yeah. as you can tell from the lubbock to waco chump so houston was way too much for me and in 1995 i got a job in montgomery county and that's where i've been ever since i've never left so this has been home i've been here a long time so I'm tell am my
1: age <laughs> <laughs> tell us about your um your work experience as far as well you know what before we go there let's jump into one thing real quick. Why do you want to be judge of the 284th?
2: I have wanted to be a judge since I was in law school, since my, my nerdiness experience in law school. And uh, you don't become a judge right away out of law school. However well they train you at Baylor, you're not trained to do that. It takes experience. It takes experience in the courtroom. So Obviously, it wasn't going to be, I'm going to graduate and go be a judge. But I always thought that that would be a place that I would be well-suited because I, I like the analysis of law. It's, it's a language that speaks to me, and it, it is frightening and, and Latin-like for most people. People talk about legalese. I speak legalese. <laughs> I love it. So when you, when you deal with cases, you're dealing with, with complex issues. You're dealing with people's emotions, their fears, their concerns, their anxieties— you're dealing with just a whole array of feelings and emotions while putting together a you know, thousand piece puzzle that relates to this piece of evidence, that piece of evidence, how does it all fit together, so forth and so on. That's the experience that I've had in 24 years as a lawyer. And that experience translates well to a bench position because that's the thing that judges do is they don't take a side in those things. They remain neutral. So they evaluated on a more objective level, which then takes me back to law school because that's sort of the way law school operates. It's more of an objective, what's the right answer as opposed to what is my client's position and how can I best represent them? I think I'm better on the side of what's the right position. And that's what judges do.
1: Wow. I know I've interviewed some people that, candidates, and a couple of them, like Judge Phil Grant, Mm -hmm. who's a judge now. And he said the same thing. He always wanted to be a judge. That was his end goal is to get seasoned, to learn, to get the experience. But he always dreamed of being a judge. And then we had Claudia Laird on, Judge Laird, and she never thought she would be a judge. But <laughs> the career and the life took that way. Mm-hmm. And, and then she, she's a great judge. She's one of the most efficient courts in Montgomery County. Um, I pray to God nobody gets in the ring against her because they're just stupid. Well, you know, I worked for her. I know you did. Did you know that? Yeah. I worked for her court. But, I mean, court. she's running for re-election. Mm-hmm. Nobody. If, guys, if you're listening, you're thinking about running running against her. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Her court is near perfection, and everybody likes her. Even Even if they're sitting on the other side or they don't like her ruling, she's respected.
2: Well, and let me tell you something about that. Judges rule for you. Judges rule against you, and— Any day of the week, any moment in time, the ruling is either one that you like or one that you dislike. The problem doesn't come with the rulings that you don't like. The problem comes with the judges who are too lazy to make the decision and they just choose. They flip a coin, essentially. Judges who aren't listening. Judges who don't pay attention. Judges who don't read the pleadings and really delve down into the weeds. Yeah. You can't say that about Judge Laird. Yeah. Judge Laird will will delve into the weeds. And so even if someone doesn't like her ruling, they're not going to be upset with her. Because it's just an honest disagreement about how things should turn out as opposed to she wasn't listening.
1: Well, we all know how those defense attorneys are anyway, right?: Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I roll. So um, tell us about break down your experience. You said you started off in probate. What are different areas of law that you've practiced in, and which ones do you prefer?
2: Well, I've principally been in civil litigation. So I started with probate, and it was a probate litigation firm. So it was, it was courtroom work. And then when I came to Montgomery County, I started at a civil litigation firm. And so we, we handled a lot of really big cases involving some of the chemical companies down in Houston, the place that I'd fled. Um, it, it just some really big cases, big clients. Um, and those cases were very complex and involved. I really liked that. But I was just kind of wet behind the ears back then. So, you know, I didn't get to to play with the big boys quite yet at that firm. But um, that firm disbanded in 1997 because of a ginormous settlement that the partners, not the associate attorneys like me, but the partners got to enjoy. And it just led them to do things like buy yachts and retire. So when that firm ended... um,
1: They're down in Florida. Irma got them. Hey, a fair point.
2: (laughs) But... um, My husband actually worked at that firm. That's where I met him. And we had married and we decided to start our own firm because that kind of gave me the opportunity. We we were going to have kids. And so if we had our own firm, I didn't have to worry about scheduling a vacation or, or, you know, I sort of had the flexibility to be able to have kids and help raise them as they were younger. And, And so that's what we did. And we've basically had our own firm ever since. Now, my hiatus was there was about a year that I went to work for Judge Laird. And I I want to lay to rest the rumor that I did that as a political launch point. I did not do that as a political launch point. I did that because— I never heard that
1: rumor, but I can imagine somebody pulling that game.
2: Well, and and the other rumor, by the way, is that I wanted to run against Judge Laird, so let me just lay that one to rest right now, too. No, no, not going to happen. But um, that job— it is a great job. I'm very jealous of the woman who uh, I actually got to help hire from that job, Colleen Rice. Shout out to Colleen. She is the new court investigator and staff attorney for Judge Laird. But that, that job was a great job. The women who work in that court, that would be, let's see, it'd be Amy, Randy, Peggy, Amber, Martha, Sandy, now Colleen, and of course Judge Laird. It's a great group of people who get along really well together and work like a team, which is nice. And the work was really meaningful. And I'm, I'm about to start rambling about the work, Nathan. So if you need to have no, a frank, now no, be because a good even bye. Judge
1: Laird talked about <laughs> about and and I've watched Facebook post when you when you resigned from that position, and it it hurt people. Meaning you didn't hurt anybody, but. They couldn't talk enough about the work you did, and we're gonna. I want you to talk about that because, first of all, it probably was a cut in pay, let's be honest, so to speak, and that's nobody's business to get in detail, but I'm sure it was. It was. And it was a loss of freedom because yes. you're accountable now to a boss slash bosses because mm-hmm. um, it's a county thing and state and everybody's watching uh, versus you just being able to, to do what you want to do. But I want to know what that job entailed. Um, What was that job description? Because reading it on Facebook, it seemed like you made a big impact on a lot of people's lives that people just don't know.
2: Well, and forgive the lack of humility, but I'm really proud of myself because I feel like I did. And every day was a meaningful day. So I can give you the job description. We'll skip that. Here's what the job was like. It it was constant chaos, which sometimes was tempered by um, tears, sometimes of joy, sometimes of sadness. Does that sound like a great job? No. Was it? It, Yes. And the reason is because the people that that court serves are the most vulnerable people in our county. My job was as staff attorney was to help Judge Laird to handle things that were before her, that to help her make the decisions, to do the legal research about what the right decision is. All all the things that a judge does, the staff attorney helps do backstage. The decision is hers, of course, but but I got to assist in that. So I have some experience with that. But the part that's really heartwarming is the court investigator role. Yeah. Because what you do is you go and you address emergencies as they come up. Um we would get phone calls. I can tell you stories, and we'll go there in a minute after the description. But we would get phone calls about people who were in some kind of crisis. And my job would be to go out and take care of their crisis. And that's meaningful work. I mean, you're, you're actually helping someone in a very tangible way in, in real time. So it, that's great. You don't get that as a lawyer. You help your clients as a lawyer but you know you're you're plodding through the system. Right. There's no, but when you go and you respond to a, a an emergency call at a nursing home at someone's home, uh, once at a homeless shelter, you you really get to be involved with people who need you, and it's just it's a wonderful thing. It's a it's a great feeling. I miss that job, yeah. as you yeah. can tell. But yeah. it, it's a great it's a great job. So kudos to Colleen for taking it. She's I know she's going to do a great job with it. But
1: is there any particular story that really stands out in your mind, whether, whether it was a win or it was a loss, but something impactful that you got to be a part of? And when I say a loss, I mean, I know a lot of times when you get involved in situations like that, it's not always the outcome that you hope for, and sometimes it's out of your control. But what is something that sticks with you?
2: Well, are you asking me about cases as a lawyer or cases no, as a court the investigator? The court investigator. Okay, that's what I thought we were asking about, because I've got stories. But also, the key one that really stands out is um, we received a phone call, and, and I'm not going to tell you enough details to reveal. Right. Well, you, I mean, course. I want to be very Absolutely. cautious Absolutely. about the privacy and the interest that these people have in their privacy. But uh, we received a phone call, and there was an assault that happened in an assisted living facility, and the woman who was assaulted was taken to the hospital. She had not returned home because, of course, she had been assaulted in her home. And so my job was to go and find her in our rather large county. But I had to go find her, and that was the homeless shelter. I ultimately was able to find her. And once I met with her, I realized that her problems were actually far greater than the assault. Her problems were that, that she had been robbed blind. She was a 35-year teacher in the Texas school system, hmm. and her teacher retirement was gone. Her Social Security was gone. Her ID was gone. And what, what I learned in talking with her is that she had been taken from a hospital in Houston to this assisted living facility, and she had no connection with Montgomery County whatsoever. But because she left the hospital and came to Montgomery County, a place no one would think she would be, Her family had lost touch with her. They didn't know where she was, and they actually presumed that she was dead. This woman, she was incapacitated. She had physical and mental disabilities. She was quite old. And so she didn't know how to locate her family. So after finding her at the homeless shelter, I then was able to locate her daughter and get her back in touch with her daughter. In the meantime, we went driving all over the county, even up into Walker County, to get her new ID, to get her money headed back in the right direction, to get her clothing, and to get her a bus ticket, to get her out of town and get her reunited with her family. So it was a a grand total six-day period of time, and without a doubt that's going to be the crowning achievement of my life as an attorney is taking care of that one. That's something to
1: be proud of because we all want to focus on saving the world, but technically all we really need to do is change one life Oh yeah. And that's that's a life's work. But well, that became our motto
2: in county court too. I, I kept telling them this the thing about the starfish story is I can't quit looking oh, at all man. the other starfish on the beach. And and they told me, no, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna use the starfish story as intended. And the starfish story is the boy on the beach, all the starfish have washed up and he's picking them up one at a time, throwing them in the water. The man tells him, you know, you can't save them all. Look how many there are. He picks one up, throws it in the water, and says, Well, I saved that one. And that's the motto of county court. It's for funny one you say that.
1: Time. I actually have starfish pens that through the years, I've done this for about six or seven years, that certain times somebody really touches me and I give them that pen and I frame that story. Oh. Then there's an addendum. So when he says, I can't save all of them, but, I, but, but it matters to this one, then the man says, okay, and he starts throwing them. And he looks around, and now there's 25, 30 people on the beach doing the right. same. You started, folks. We got to take a break. It's that half hour mark. Eric Estes, you're listening to Montgomery County Lifestyle with Nathan Herzog on Lone Star Community Radio. We got traffic, we got weather, we got stuff, sponsorships, and when we come back, we're going to dive back in. This is fun. We have got a great guest today, Kristen Bays, Judge, uh, candidate, maybe going to be Judge of the 284th District Court. We'll see you in a minute.
2: Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available in Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com.
0: Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the
1: radio world. In a metro
0: world Yeah, it's drive
1: time In a metro world That's Ezra Charles in the works. Boogie Woogie my favorite song of all time called Drive Time. Have you ever heard that song before? Ezra Charles, my gosh. How long has that been around? He's been around, he's a, been long around a long time. time. He's an old dude. He's still going at it. He's changed it. It's not Ezra Charles in the works anymore. They get together for special functions. I think it's like when he gets the band together, he's like fifteen thousand dollars or something. I mean he's a legend. Well local yeah, but. legend. But he also goes, I think the band still gets together every year. Either in Italy, there's some kind of a jazz fest that's like the biggest in all of the Europe. I think it's in Italy. Okay. So they still get together for that. But he has a show with his son, and it's it's something about the story of Boogie Woogie. It's about a two hour show with a 15 minute intermission. He's dying to come up here to the Crichton. He reached out to me a couple of times, trying to get me to put on a show. Ooh, let's make that happen. Produce a show. That's a big show, hey, 550 seats? Yeah, you
2: broadcast worldwide. You told me that. So, <laughs> everyone, let's make sure that we we get on Facebook. We tell Ezra Charles we want to see him. You and know get the what? We Crichton could probably do
1: that at $25 or $30 a ticket. That you know, wouldn't be could. bad for two hours. That'd be great. Would you Would you co-emcee it with me? You know I will. Oh, yeah, she's we good. We do that. You're good. Okay, so now let's move ahead. Tell us, here's what I want to do We've got about 18, 17 minutes. We may take a break in the meantime, but about 17 minutes of talk time. Talk to us, and then I'll ask questions as things come up. Tell the people what you want the people to know about you. Go down the list in no particular order. Why should they trust you? Why should they get to know you? How can they get to know you? What are you going to do different? I know you're not going to put down the current judge, but what are you going to do different? So why should, we, why should we get to know you, support you, back you, uh, hold signs for you? Why should we at least vote for you? And, in no particular order, answer those questions, so to speak.
2: Nathan, that was like 17 questions. I know, but you I can do it. I can't remember them all. <laughs> we'll start with, uh, why should you get to know me? Well, you should get to know me just on a practical matter because I'm running for, for a position, an elected position. And you'll be going to the Republican primary March 6th. And you will be voting, and you will get down to the bottom of that ballot, and you're going to see all these court races, and that's the moment that you think, "Oh my gosh, I didn't study hard enough for the test." So come get to know me. I mean, it's it's just a beneficial thing for you to do as a voter. Now, why should you want to come get to know me? Because I I like meeting people. I think I have some interesting stories to tell. Um, I I think that I I have a lot of friends. I. I just think I'm a good person to get to know. It's hard to say that without sounding totally (laughs) snotty, isn't it? But No, I mean, you got
1: to have a certain – ego is good. Ego, the wrong way, ego could go to arrogance and and all that. But you want somebody that's got an ego. You want somebody who who thinks they're one of the best. Maybe not the best, but one of the, you know, top. You want somebody – I want somebody in leadership who's a leader, who's strong, and who's confident. I don't want a weenie. I don't want a goober up there. So, we want you to be strong. We want you to be confident. All right. Vote for me. I'm not the goober. Yeah. We'll do that. And, and promise when you get elected, you're not going to run around to 17 places, you know, every day, every other day, taking a bunch of selfies and stuff like that. Take oh. selfies when you can promote the person or the event.
2: Okay. I want to be clear. I, I, <laughs> I'm running for office and I didn't do that.
1: I know you did. I, I mean, judges me are that different is bad than the rest of the positions, aren't they? They are. You, they are. You, it's, you have to stay neutral. You have to be careful what you put on Facebook. You have to be careful where you go, what you say. But it's different. A judge really isn't a political person. Well, I guess they could be. But the position does not call for somebody who wants to be in politics. But it's an elected position, so you got to run.
2: And let me tell you, one of your questions, one of your many questions, was why should people trust me? And I think that goes with what you've just said. Because politician, politics— The root word is policy and judges don't deal with policy. Judges take the policy that the legislators have put in place and they evaluate the evidence that comes before them, putting the two together to follow the law, adhere to the law, but they don't make the law. So it is kind of a misnomer to say a judicial candidate is a politician because we don't deal with policy, which is why people are so bored by these races. I feel your pain. But, but but you, you do have, have to run and yeah. so the key is because judicial races are different because courts are different from other positions that you're looking at it is important to find someone that you trust courts don't have the same kind of transparency that ever government offices have and i know that saying something is not transparent is really bad news these days but the reason that courts are less transparent i mean you can see what the budgets are you can see what the rulings are they are public records but the inner workings of the court, the discussions that the judge has with staff, you know, what the decision is based upon, that's all maintained in secrecy for the reason that you want a judge to maintain neut- neutrality. You don't want somebody who's already made up their mind when you walk in the room. That would be a disaster and turn our system of justice on its head. Yeah. So you have to accept. But unfortunately, we do have that. You do have that. I mean, that, that's a reality. That's reality, And but that's why you got to find somebody that you trust because you're putting them in a position with a great deal of power. We can talk about that power in a minute, but a great deal of power and less transparency than what you see in the executive branch or in the legislative branch. So why should you trust me? Well, i I've never done anything that would cause me to be untrustworthy. So there is that. There is the absence of any reason why you should not trust me. <laughs> But I I think that it is meaningful, and here I come back to it again. I think it is meaningful that I was um, tasked with, hired by Judge Laird, hired by the county, and tasked with going into people's homes that are vulnerable people, typically at very vulnerable times in their life. Um, it, It is definitely a job where you have a lot of access, and if you are not an honest person, that access could end up making a bad situation worse for these people. But these are people who invited me into their home. Because you're right, Nathan. I mean, when I resigned from that position, the outpouring of support on Facebook and the, oh, we're going to miss you and you're so great. Some, some of the guardians that I dealt with continue to call me. I still see some of the wards. These are people that I built a relationship yeah. with. And that relationship came from a measure of trust that they extended to me to allow me to come into their life to talk about their private matters private matters, about their health conditions, about their longevity, about things that had happened to them. And I I've maintained their secrets, as you can tell on the air, but it, it helped to build a relationship. That's who I am. Yeah. That's what I'm made of.
1: So. so what are some things that you would either continue to do or change in that specific court, the 284th? Well, the 284th is a
2: civil court, and now everybody's going, oh, no, oh, no, we're going to have to hear about efficiency and moving cases. I'm not going to talk about efficiency or moving cases. I will do those things, <laughs> but those are boring topics. So let's let's talk in a, a broader view because people are, are very confused about what courts do, and good for them. That means they don't spend too much time at the courthouse, which means that they're law-abiding citizens. Well done. But— um, the 284th handles civil cases and civil cases are when people are suing each other. Nobody's going to jail. Nobody's getting a divorce. It's when people are suing each other either for money or for a court order that requires someone to do something. That's an injunction. So those lawsuits can be little small, easy breezy car wreck cases, breach of contract cases, but they can also be very complicated cases involving things like thefts of trade secrets, so medical malpractice, engineering defects in commercial buildings. I mean, these are some, some kind of involved cases, very important involved cases. Well, they're all important, but right. these cases require a whole lot of time and dedication and a whole lot of learning about engineering terms, medical terms, whatever comes up. That's what the court does. Now, our Office of Court Administration did a measured case study, and we have a grand total of 12 courts in the main courthouse in Conroe, and what Nathan? and not you, Nathan. Different the, Nathan. The other Nathan. Nate Jensen. What? The he? smart
1: Nathan. The I'm smart just the effervescent man. Nathan.
2: You are. You're the lively one. <laughs> but um, not that you're not lively, Nate Jensen. But no, you're not. He, not, he not he like did, they did. He did a measured case study, and we need four civil judges in Montgomery County. At this point, we have one, which is Judge Kara Wood of the 284th, currently sitting, plus. Two halves. We have Judge Jennifer Robin in the 410th, who does civil and family. And then we have Judge Claudia Laird, who does probate and civil. So we're already kind of overloaded. We are we may not have enough. So with all of that being said, what I won't change about the 284th is that its current specialization in civil cases. What I will change about the 284th is I want that court to be more open for opportunities to take on other cases as our judges need them. Because here's the thing about that measured case study. That's applicable today. In two years, things could change. You you just never know when there's going to be. Harvey is very likely to lead to a lot of civil cases being filed. So civil is probably going to go heavier. We're going to need six judges to handle this. It just varies depending on the kind of cases that are coming in. Maybe more criminal cases. Maybe there's more family cases for a period of time. So I think that the court needs to be sufficiently flexible that it can take on other cases as well as as the needs of the county require. I mean, remember, this isn't really a policy-oriented job, but it is a public service that you're doing for the people. And the people of Montgomery County deserve nothing less than a court- courthouse filled with courts that are working hard to get things done, to take care of their needs, to resolve their disputes. So, those are kind of the, the key overview factors. Now, there are some some changes that are more like a owner's manual kind of changes that I want to make with the court, but <laughs> they will put your listeners to sleep. So, if anybody's interested in hearing about that, please email me. It's info at baysforjudge.org. And if you actually want to get down in the weeds, I am more than happy to tell you about it. But let's, let's don't do it here. People are trying to stay awake as they go into the lunch hour.
1: Well, and we're joking about it. But you know what really frustrates me is, and I'm going to make up numbers. Let's say that 10,000 people vote for county judge and 10,000 people vote for sheriff. It might be six or seven thousand people that vote for for one of the judges or all the judges. And and, and why, why would you not why would you not get informed? Why would you not be involved enough to make a decision? Well, they're both Republicans and I don't know anything about them. Okay, so what you're saying is you didn't do your homework in advance. You didn't care enough about it. People don't understand. In fact, let's segue into this. A judge has a lot of power on a community. Could go into state law, could go into national law. People don't understand. They'll scream and holler, oh, that liberal judge did what? Well, guess what? That's right. A judge can turn the whole freaking nation on its butt mm-hmm. with a decision if we're not careful. So what are your thoughts about people who don't get involved? And I'm not saying to put them down, but but why what points could you as a judge give? to make them want to get involved, to figure out who to vote for. And then let's talk about that power that could go the wrong way or the right way. Well, the main thing to do
2: to get involved, I think really step one, and it's kind of like a field trip. So this one won't be like, I have to go surf the web. I've got to Google all these things. I've got to go to law school in 10 minutes that other people take for three years. Instead of that, take a field trip, go to the courthouse, spend a day at the courthouse, Go visit the courts. The Texas Constitution makes it clear that Texas is an open court state. You are welcome to come in. Whatever the court may be doing, maybe it's a jury trial, maybe it's a hearing docket, you are welcome to walk in. We expect you to have your, your shirts tucked in and all that kind of stuff. You know, the appropriate decorum Respect. is required. But it, you are free to come and go as you please. Go to the courthouse. Go to, Just take a day. Go to the courthouse. Go look in all the courts not really degrade the judges that are on the benches per se, but see what they do. Because you'll get to see in real time what their days look like. And I think that's, that's a good primer for people. The things that you see and hear and feel stick with you a whole lot longer than the stuff that you read on Wikipedia, which is good. But if people will go and do that, I think that'll give you a real hands-on feel for what it is that a judge's job is. Now, once you've done that, here are the things that that you won't see when you're at the courthouse that Wikipedia would tell you wrongly. So let let me explain. District court judges in particular have an incredible amount of power over the things that people care about, which is why when people find themselves in court, which is always a surprise for anyone who ends up there, but anyone who finds themselves in court in a civil suit, that's when suddenly it becomes all important who the judge is because the things that matter to them are on the table. What are those things? Money, uh, their job, their property, maybe their inheritance from their grandmother's, of their grandmother's farm, um, their kids, their freedom of choice about what color they want to paint their house, um, their freedom. They could be incarcerated and even their life. I mean, district court judges have the right to sign a death warrant. And you know, we were talking earlier about the fact that this isn't a a political job because judges don't deal in, in policy. But I will tell you, and, and this this is designed to be very alarming because people need to know, the judges that you see on your ballot that are trial court level judges, that would be your district court judges and your county court at law judges, are very probably the most powerful people that are on your ballot and they're way down on the bottom because almost everyone else that you vote for, you're voting for one person of many. So when you vote for a state legislator, that's going to be one person of many in the legislature, and the legislature votes as a group. When you vote for a county commissioner, that's one person of five in our county, and that person votes as a group. Even appeals court judges, they sit in panels of three or nine, depending on what the court is, and they vote as a group, majority rules. A district court judge is a majority of one. It is one person making all the decisions along the way. And one person who holds all the cards with an incredible amount of power. So you were asking about trust. Trust is essential because you are handing to the person that you vote for, if you just pick a name, you are handing the pick a name person <laughs> an incredible amount of power of your life. And most people think, well, I'm law abiding. I've never had to go to court. She was right when she said that before. This really won't affect me personally. Oh, but it, it could. Yeah. And that's the thing, no one ever expects, just like no one ever expects to have a car wreck and they happen. no one ever expects to be sued. No one ever expects to sue, but it happens or else lawyers would be out of work. So you, you can't just rely on the fact of, I, I'm a law-abiding citizen, I'll never have to go there, because sometimes law-abiding citizens sue people who are not law-abiding citizens themselves. Or sometimes... You may be involved in a case where someone has sued a law-abiding citizen claiming they did something wrong, and hooray, the law-abiding citizen ultimately wins, but that doesn't mean that you didn't have to go to the courthouse to get the victory, and it doesn't mean that you weren't at serious risk of losing everything that matters to you in the meantime.
1: A friend of mine, Shirley, i got to give her a shout-out. She let me know she's listening. Eric, you haven't shouted out, so I guess you forgot about us, but Shirley, go to the courthouse, watch the judges. Get to know Kristen Bays. She's a good. She's a good girl. I almost said dude because my, my term is dude. So I'm not. I, it be dude. a dude.
2: Um. No. No. It really can't.
1: You can't be a dude. No. Oh, no. God, no. Man. No. We can do better. See, because I still call Phil Grant dude. Okay. But in public, judge I call him, In public, I call him Judge Dude <laughs> or Judge Grant because I respect him. But in private, I just call him dude, really dude, you know? Okay. Brett, the same thing. Brett called me yesterday. So and, what are you going to call me? What are you going to call me? I'm going uh, to I'm gonna that. call you doudette privately I'm going to call you friend and girl and stuff like that. But in public, I'm going to call you judge. I'm going to respect you. I have no problem with that. I like leadership. I like showing respect. Hence, ma'am and sir. My dad would have kicked my butt. He did. If we didn't say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. You know, thank mm-hmm. you and stuff like that. The 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 thing, yeah. Oh, I don't even think that word was invented, you know, because I'm pretty old. I'm a lot on, I look good for 72, don't I? You do. I look good. As do I.
2: <laughs> now, remember, I'm a young lady. You I said know. I was Man, my We're dad misses the
1: courthouse. Golly. He misses seeing you guys at the courthouse.
2: Well, he wants
1: to come back so soon. He will. He will. He will. He'll come see he you will. guys. He doesn't have favorites. But oh, I will tell you. When you
2: start off with he doesn't have favorites, that means he does. No, but he misses,
1: <laughs> like he misses Javier Salinas, the Bayless. Oh, Javier. God, yes. he misses Javier. He misses uh, Raul Arandas. Yes. Um, he, he, he did most of his work with uh, like Judge Stewart, Judge, Judge Watson, Watson sure. Judge Turner. But those also, man, when he had his, his uh, triple bypass a year and a half ago, Judge Turner and Judge Watson came up there like half a dozen times in three weeks. It was insane you know how many times they can but anyway all right so we got one minute left one minute one minute i told you how what how can the people find out more about you how can they reach you what do you want them to know in one minute in one minute
2: one minute all right ready here we go first of all shout out to holly mitchell i met her last night she's a fan of yours and apparently is a fan of mine hooray so i know she's listening today so hello holly Number two, I've got an event coming up on October 17th, right around the corner here at the Red Brick Tavern. Begins at 5:30, goes till 7:30. But if you still want to hang around after 7:30, head over to the Red Brick Ta- or stay at the Red Brick Tavern. It's a restaurant and bar; they'll be open for you. October 17th is a Tuesday. Yes, it's a fundraiser. Won't grab your wallet. You're free to come and you're free to leave without paying anything. I just want an opportunity to meet you and to introduce myself to you. So one more time, October 17th, 5:30, Red Brick Tavern. How you contact me, I've got emails, I've got phone numbers, I've got websites. So on Facebook, you can Facebook message me. My page is called Kristen Bays for Judge. You can, um, you can email me at info at baysforjudge.org. I have to think about that one. Or you can even call me on my cell phone, which is 281-413-2753. Don't make me block you. you know, <laughs> be nice. So there's lots of ways to reach me. And I encourage people to communicate with me. I mean, my my whole purpose in the next several months is to get to know as many people as possible to let you get to know me. And so I am open to people contacting me in any way that they're comfortable with, asking me whatever questions they want to ask. I'm here for you to let you know why I'm the best fit for this court. Uh And hopefully when the day comes on March 6th, you'll pick me on the ballot. I won't just be that, that name I picked. I'll be Kristen Bays, the, the choice that you've made for the 284th District
1: Court. Well, it's been fun, and I appreciate you coming on here. It's always a pleasure and honor, and it's always fun just to hang out with you. you okay. you're, just a, you're just a fun person. You're real. Uh, as the campaign goes further, we'll get you back on. And, and next time, I may pick some questions to ask you. Never gotchas, only stuff that's talk about. And then even further— Should somebody decide to throw their name in the race? If you do, you're goofy because this is the... Oh, no, I don't endorse. Never mind. I don't endorse. If you do, that's fine. Great. Congratulations. Best wishes. No. But as we move down that path, I'd like... If there is a candidate that goes against you, uh, I'd like to get you guys on here. And and I'll give them their chance, like you first. Sure. But I'd like to have you guys on here for a debate. That'd be great. No handlers. Nobody in the studio but you two. No cheat sheets. No phones. No cell phones. Just... But no gotchas. We will only talk about stuff that's been brought up, and everybody will play fair and honest and and, and not be mean. Sound good? Sounds perfect. Awesome, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, we gotta go, we had a great day. Lone Star Community Radio, hello, go to Facebook, go to the website, get involved in other talk shows and other music shows, this is Community Radio. Is mine the best show? Of course it is, because I just told you that. But the whole lineup, the whole station is awesome. Montgomery County Lifestyle reminding you this is your county, your life, and your style. Thanks for checking out this podcast of Lone Star Community Radio, Montgomery County's community radio station. If you enjoyed this recording, make sure to check out our past shows online at IRLoneStar.com or their respective video or podcast formats on YouTube, Google Play, or iTunes. If you have any questions regarding the show, either it being about sponsorships or questions for the host, contact the station manager at D-I-C-K at or call the station at 936-647-3776. This show was recorded in downtown Conroe, Texas at the Lone Star Community Radio studios and Lone Star Community Radio reserves all rights to this recording and images.